There's a whole bunch of stuff that went on in NFL week six. A whole lot, a whole lot of stuff that went on in NFL week six. Few upsets. No longer are they in the undefeated teams. That's something to get into. And more fallout from this whole Jada Pinkett book thing. You know what? It ain't even about her. I got some other things on my mind. Stick around. Stay tuned. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. First things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do, at the very least, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. As usual, I'm thankful to be here in my official studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show, and I said my original studios, but actually, I'm on the road in L.A. at this particular moment in time. Forgive the hiccup. By the way, Always appreciate the love and support. Don't know if you've noticed, but I've exceeded 343,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel for seven months. So thank you so much for the love and support. Keep it coming. And you know I'm going to keep on coming. And while you're showing some love, I mean, just take some time to show me some additional love by going out and buying my new book, um, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first take. My New York Times bestselling memoir. Uh, straight shooter. So thank you all for the support. Keep it coming. As always, near the end of every show, I'm going to take some text messages. When I move into my new studio in just a few weeks, that's when you'll see the live calls return. But for now, I'm just taking live messages uh, over social media and beyond. So keep it coming and I'll keep on coming. Let me just get a few things out of the way before I get into Will Smith. Um, just a little bit, because obviously in the light of Jada Pinkett Smith coming out with her book worthy, uh, Will Smith, After some heat she had taken over the weekend and beyond, Will Smith felt the need to speak out on her behalf. I will address that in just a second, but really not about them. It's about women everywhere. It's about women everywhere. Somebody got to say something, so I'm going to say it. You can't be scared, fellas. At some point in time, we got to speak up for ourselves. And if Will ain't going to do it, damn it, I'm going to, okay? If Will Smith is not going to speak up for us, I'm going to do it. Just stay tuned. Just stay tuned. In the meantime, let me get to a couple of things because there's a few things, actually, not a couple, but a few things I need to get into. Number one, there's no longer an undefeated team in the National Football League, courtesy of the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. The Philadelphia Eagles um, and the San Francisco 49ers are no longer amongst the undefeated in the National Football League. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuels got hurt in that game against Cleveland and their top-rated all-around defense. And as a result, Brock Purdy seemed ordinary for a change, losing the first start of his career. I'm not really worried about the San Francisco 49ers. I'll be just fine. I think that they're going to be a formidable team that you have to be reckoned with, but we can't ignore the fact that they lost and that 
they are no longer amongst the ranks of the undefeated. We have to acknowledge that Cleveland beat them up pretty bad uh, physically, defensively. It was still a close game. A field goal kicker uh, blew the game for them, couldn't convert as time expired. And as a result, the San Francisco 49ers ended up losing the first game of the uh, of this season. I will remind everybody that coming into Sunday's game, Brock Purdy had the highest passer rating in league history at 121.1 for any quarterback in his first 10 career starts. Uh, but yesterday, Sunday, he passed only 125 yards, completed just 44% of his uh, passes, 55.3% uh, passer rating against Cleveland were all career lows. In his defense, the Browns are the number one team in the National Football League in total defense. So we got to give, we got to take that for what it's worth and understand that's just the way that it goes. Um, in the case of the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it was a more of an alarming loss. The New York Jets defense is all world. We know that. Here's the flip side. Sauce Gardner was out. DJ Reed was out. Their top two starting cornerbacks were out. And they still shut down the Eagles offense. Jalen Hurts, three interceptions, no touchdown passes in the second half. A.J. Brown balled out. Devontae Smith, usually reliable. Dante, Devontae Smith dropped a couple of passes. They couldn't run the, fall, uh, run the football. They got punched in the mount and beat up at the line of scrimmage. They weren't getting the proper level of, the proper level of, of pressure on, on, on Zach Wilson either for the Jets, so that certainly didn't hurt. Uh, didn't hurt the Jets, didn't help the Philadelphia Eagles. But the only thing that I want to say is this. A couple of things. Number one, the Detroit Lions are a team that we got to look out for. When we look at the Detroit Lions right now, they're tied for the best record in the National Football League at 5-1. and one. Dan Campbell, the head coach, made news by talking about how we went in his introductory press conference of being the head coach. There was going to be a culture change uh, set here uh, that we're going to bite kneecaps and all of this other stuff. And everybody made fun of him. Well, guess what? The Detroit Lions are balling. Who's playing better football than Jared Goff, who right now, whether we want to admit it or not, is an MVP candidate, y'all. There is no way around this. Jared Goff, the quarterback for the Detroit Lions, is an MVP candidate. Detroit is 13-3 and since week nine of last season. Second best record in the National Football League behind only the San Francisco 49ers. In that span, Jared Goff has 28 touchdowns and four interceptions. 28 touchdowns and four interceptions. They're a top five team in both total offense and scoring offense and a top 10 team in total defense and scoring defense. I'm sorry, the Detroit Lions are here and everybody's got to take notice. So we got to give props where props is due, okay? I want to get to that and just say that, okay? In the AFC, I'm thinking about the Miami Dolphins because I'm thinking about this brother Tyreek Hill and the kind of show that he's putting on on a regular basis. I know I saw Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals win back-to-back -back games. I get that. I understand that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are what they are. I get that. I understand that. I understand that the Baltimore Ravens are a team to be reckoned with with Lamar Jackson. I get that too. But here's what I want y'all to make sure y'all get. Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins, he's on another level. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice is universally recognized as the greatest receiver in the history of football. Randy Moss, I think, is number two all time. Terrell Owens, I have as top three. I ask y'all a simple question. Can we definitively look at the way that Tyreek Hill is playing right now and say unequivocally, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that that we prefer any of those guys over Tyreek Hill? 
with his evasiveness, his speed, his electrifying speed, his breakaway speed, the fact that you could throw him a five-yard pass, dip and dunk, and the next thing you know, he could take it to the house. Can we say definitively that we would prefer to have any of those receivers other than Tyreek Hill? I don't know if we could do that. So I just wanted to say that. I don't know if we could do that. I don't mean maybe y'all could, but I can't. I'm just gonna be real with you. He's that big. He's that big time. Tua Tagovailoa can throw that damn football. He definitely can throw the, the deep ball. But here's the reality: when you look at Tua Tagovailoa, put some pressure on him. Put a hat on him. Concuss him. Who the hell knows what'll happen? Tyreek Hill, what you gonna do with him? Ladies and gentlemen. He's the NFL's version of Damian Lillard, Dame Dollar. He destroys you and waves goodbye while he's doing it. He's running for touchdowns and he's waving goodbye. He's doing backflips while text messaging at the same time. This is what Tyreek Hill is doing on an NFL team, in an NFL league. We haven't seen anything like this, brother. At some point in time, we're going to have to pay attention to it. I'm just going to read you some numbers from Tyreek Hill. There's been 14 games this season where a player had at least 150 receiving yards in a game. Hill has four of them. Four of them. He's caught four or five deep targets for 139 yards and a score on Sunday. Just yesterday. He leads the NFL with 814 receiving yards, six touchdowns, and a 19.4 yards per catch average. He's chasing a 2,000-yard receiving season. He's averaging 135.7 receiving yards per game. So he's on pace for over 2,300. 2,300 yards he's on pace for. He does that, he'll be league MVP. And we know receivers don't get that award. Not only has a wide receiver never won the Associated Press MVP award, but the last wide receiver to even get an MVP vote was Randy Moss. Way back in 1998. This is what we need to understand about Tyreek Hill. And all I can say is this. I want the brother in the Super Bowl. I truly, truly do. I want the brother in the Super Bowl. I want the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl. I want to see that kind of aerial assault, that kind of offensive firepower in the Super Bowl because it will we'll be assured that it won't be boring. Now, who they go against remains to be seen. It could be the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm not impressed with what I'm seeing. It could be the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. It could be the Detroit Lions. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let me move on to another subject uh, real quick before um, I move on some, to, to some different matters. Um, and that next subject that I wanted to get into was primetime Deion Sanders. And the Colorado Buffaloes. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this. I'm a fan of primetime Deion Sanders. I'm a friend of primetime Deion Sanders. I'm going to root for him. I'm going to support him. I'm going to believe in him. But that does not negate the fact that the Buffaloes, representing the University of Colorado, have been getting their ass kicked. There's no way around it. You get down 40, you know, 35 to nothing in the first half against Oregon and you get blitzed 42 to 6 on national television. You were getting blitzed by USC. You were down 27 to 7 before you made that game interesting, but you still surrendered 48 points. And then 
you win uh, against Arizona State and then you come back and you're up 29 to nothing as a 13-point favorite against Stanford and you lose that game. You get outscored. What was it, like 42 to 14 in the second half? In the second half. And that's just embarrassing and we got to call it what it is. It's just embarrassing. There's no way around it. I'm sorry. They were outscored 46 to 14 in the second half. You gave her 46 points and a half. That's embarrassing. Largest blown lead in school history and the biggest blown halftime lead in conference history. They're now one and three in the Pac-12. The defense for Colorado, the defense for Deion Sanders' team, second most yards per game allowed at 473.7 yards. Seventh most points per game allowed at 35.9. All time in all of the FBS, I'm sorry, this year. All of the FBS this year. Embarrassing. Here's what's worse. Shador Sanders is the son of primetime Deion Sanders. Now, ladies and gentlemen, according to my sources, he's got a social media team. He was not aware that they would be selling merch on his behalf during halftime of a game he was playing in. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's a bad look. The buck stops with you. We all have, we all make mistakes. We all employ people who make mistakes and we get it. But please understand the buck stops with Shador Sanders. You got your own social media team. It's your responsibility. And for you or your team to have somebody trying to sell merchandise on your behalf during halftime of a game, priorities are highly questionable. Now, we like watching them with the watch and all of this other stuff. We ain't see that those three games, they got their ass kicked defensively. But here's the point. It ain't about Deion Sanders. It's about these folks playing in those uniforms, benefiting from the attention and the allure and the spotlight that Deion Sanders' presence has brought to them, and they ain't living up to it because they feeling themselves. These are college kids, ladies and gentlemen. Can, let me let, let's 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 put it where the goats can get it, as my man Joe Madison would say. Have you been a star athlete on a college campus? Have you been an athlete on a college campus? When you're winning as a team, you have any idea? Dare I say the perks that come your way? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot that can distract these young brothers. And this is one of those instances. That's exactly what's happened here. And somebody needs to say it, so I'm going to say it. That's exactly what's happened. And so we got to look at it from that standpoint, recognize what transpired, and they got to reel themselves in. They feeling themselves. They feeling themselves doing a lot of things that, dare I say, have kept them and they're focused a bit questionable. They got to get on the ball and they got to rep- they got to recognize they got somebody to represent. It ain't just the program, but it's Deion Sanders himself. And by the way, to all of those young whippersnappers playing for Deion Sanders, including his son. Shador, who can ball. And it's got a lot of promise. But you're driving the Rolls Royce. You got Tom Brady and your daddy calling you out about needing to be in the film room, even though they were playing around when they were saying it to you. 
but half playing, half serious. Tom Brady telling you, get your ass in the film room. That's half serious now. Because he understood that tomorrow was coming. And when you celebrate one week, but you're getting your ass kicked the next, that's a problem. And that's what happened to Shador Sanders. You ain't doing that now, are you? No, you're not. Because it ain't fun when you're getting your ass kicked. Now, it ain't your fault totally because you're all putting up points. But come on, bro. They follow your lead. When you're celebrating the fruits of your labor, they don't have fruits. So they're going to try to get some of yours. And while they're trying to get some of yours, they're going to be distracted. And because they're going to be distracted, they ain't going to be on their A game. And because they ain't on their A game, they're going to give up 46 points in the second half. Lead. Lead. Because let me tell you something about your daddy. He was the best in the world. He's the best to ever do it. But I don't care about the jewelry and I don't care about the flash and I don't care about all that stuff your dad did. A, he went out on the field and backed it up every single weekend. And B, he was focused. He was disciplined. He was not distracted and he was undeterred. That was your daddy. And I'm not saying that you're not that way. I'm saying, based on some of the things we've seen, People are questioning it. Get it together, my brother. Get it together. All of y'all. Let me move on to another story that's near and dear and close to me. Sham Sharania. Um, Yahoo. I mean, he's everywhere. NBA insider, young dude. I don't know if he's 29 or 30 years of age. Former protege of my colleague, Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, apparently he, to some degree, has got himself in some hot water because of an article written about him. I believe it was in the New Yorker, New Yorker magazine, if I remember correctly. I forget the source of that Um whether it was Sports Illustrated or New York, New York, New Yorker magazine, wherever the hell it was, damn it. I picked up the quote because I saw on social media he was taking a lot of heat. And apparently it was based off of this one uh, graph that was written in the story about him. You know, they're talking about how he sends a lot of text messages and um, people were basically intimating that he helps players get screwed in negotiations to keep the access going with general managers and people like that. And here's what everybody's leaning on. The longtime front office executive told me that information from insider reporters could even help a GM save a buck. Quote, Woj, as in Adrian Wojnarowski, or Shams might say, hey, don't get levered up on player X. He's not going to get an offer from his team, the executive said. There are times when they have information that has presented me from making a mistake in terms of the magnitude of a contract offer or the inclusion of a specific asset in a deal. And people are using that nugget, that graph that some unnamed executive point out to intimate that insiders like Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharania are screwing over players. Ladies and gentlemen, that is false. That's not what's going on here. First things first, 
Adrian Wojnarowski, nor Sham Sharania owes the players, the GMs, the executives, they don't owe anybody anything. Their job is to report. As you're talking to an agent, because remember, this is what I've done for years. As you're talking to a player, an agent, a coach or whatever, there might be information that you share. What you owe is the confidentiality to the direct people that you communicate with. If I communicate with you, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm communicating with you and you tell me to keep something quiet and silent, that is a trust that I need to honor. But if I have not communicated with you and I found out that you're about to get traded and an offer or an offer is about to be made for X amount of dollars for you. And I'm talking to another executive and that executive has used that intel. That I just expressed to him to their advantage. That's not my problem. How is that my problem? How am I using it to screw over anybody? Oh, this executive, man, I want Damian Lillard. Well, yeah, man, I mean, shoot, I'm here in Milwaukee, might have a shot at him. What have I violated? If I cover the league like Shams and Woj does, where's the violation? Oh, um, we're thinking about picking this player up in free agency. You know, we're probably going to offer him about 30 million. Well, I'm hearing he getting offered 50. Where's the violation? Or you might want to play in 50. Well, yeah, that'll work because that'll be more than the 30 he's getting offered. How is that a violation? If I'm covering the league and I have information and you didn't provide it to me and there's no confidentiality issues that I'm violating, what's the problem? Who the hell told you Anybody is owed anything other than the respect of having their confidential conversations honored. That's not a violation on Sham's part. It's not a violation on Woj's part. I respect the hell out of them both. Now, obviously, I'm partial to Woj. Woj is not only my contemporary and colleague, he's my teammate. I don't know Sham's. I respect his work. I respect how he's climbed up the charts. It is earned. But just because I don't know him doesn't mean I'm going to sit idly by and let people try to disrespect him and, 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 and diminish his value. No, I'm damn sure not going to let you do that to my man and my colleague and my teammate, Adrian Wojnarowski, who I believe to be the best in the business right now. Whose information is impeccable who works his ass off every day and every night, who makes us all better at the network. I'm certainly not going to throw shade on him, but more importantly, they don't deserve it over this. You do not violate confidential conversations. That's what you are owed. The intel that you collect and gather in the process of doing your job, which is reporting on the NBA when it comes to Woj and Shams. There is no violation. There is no breach of trust. There is no betrayal. They go out about the business of collecting data and information and intel. 
And in the process of conversing with executives, with players, with agents, with owners, etc., they may go back and forth sharing information. It's not like, hey, take this information. Okay, you take that information. No, you're conversing. You're talking with one another. You're talking about what you know. They talk about what they know. You're conversing. That's what you do. That's what I've done. Period. As long as you're not violating anybody's trust, you're good. That's the way it goes. Get the hell over it. And for those people, I'm at ESPN. I'm the face. First take. Number one show and all of this other stuff. And Woj, Woj, Woj. That's my man. Love having him on first take. Love being on NBA Countdown with him. He's the best in the business. But I'm going to protect the industry here. Neither Woj nor Shams are doing anything other than their job when it comes to communicating about what they know to people in the know. You're only in violation if you betray trust and matters that are ultimately confidential are things you violate, which is not what this says here, which is not what this is about. They should not have any shade thrown on them. They know more information than most. They perfected their craft in that regard. They're considered the creme de la creme at what they do as insiders. And they've earned it. Respectfully, Shams Woj more so than you because he's been doing it longer. Don't hate the players. Hate the game. They're better at it than everybody else. Get the fuck over it. Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, and women everywhere. I got a little message for y'all coming up. Consider yourself forewarned. It's the Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show. Coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Um, Let me transition. I got in my sports fix. I've got some other things on my mind. And I want everybody to know that before I say what I'm going to say, um, I will remind everybody. I'm a dad. I've got two daughters. I'm an uncle. I've got nine nieces. I'm a little brother. I have four older sisters and I'm a boss. And 70% of my staff are female. So I'm kind of surrounded by women all the time. And uh, uh, that would make somebody in my position, one would think a bit hesitant to say some of the things that I'm about to say. For the record, I don't give a shit. Somebody needs to say this stuff, so I'm going to say it. Now, last week, I felt the need to address 
Jada Pinkett Smith. I would like to remind the world out there, I didn't say a disrespectful word about her. And I'm not going to. I would never disrespect somebody's wife. I'm not going to do that. Um, what I said was, to crystallize my position, is that it was really, really, really important that Jada Pinkett Smith stopped emasculating her husband in public. The point that I'm making is, damn, where's your compassion? Where's your decency? Where's your respect for marital vows? To honor thy husband. And whatever you're going to do, I'm not saying don't feel the way that you feel or don't do the things that you're doing privately. That's your business. It's none of our business. My point is, it's none of our business. We shouldn't be in your relationship. You shouldn't be on a media circuit talking about your husband like that. This shouldn't have been red table talks about entanglements why he's sitting right in front of you for the world to witness I mean damn I'm not gonna lie I, I, I'm not gonna lie ladies and gentlemen I got so worried watching Jada talk about Will Smith over the years I, 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 at one point in time I thought she was gonna go for the gut and start talking about endow endow or endowments per se as opposed to entanglements that's what I thought was going to happen I mean damn that's how nervous I got for him because I don't give a damn who you are no man wants to hear a woman talking like that children going out there and, 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 talking, and, and, and talking about how they wish Tupac was still alive for their mama I mean damn Damn. Tupac is dead. God rest his soul. I assume and hope to God he's in heaven because of all the contributions he's made to our society. Regardless of his troubles, he was phenomenal, a genius. I miss him all the time. But I was like, damn. I missed him for a different reason. Other people missed him for a different reason. It appears. We didn't need to know all that. But you told us. Or your family told us. Or somebody alluded to it on Red Table Talk. Or one of your interviews. And now the book. Worthy. Come on. That's all I'm saying. But leave it to Will. The hero. To come to the rescue again. Because. In the aftermath of the response to his wife, Jada Pickett Smith's statements about their quote unquote turbulent relationship in her forthcoming book, Worthy, which will be out tomorrow, by the way. In an email to the New York Times, this brother, Will Smith, listen to what he had to say. Um, he expressed that Jada Pinkett's revelations about their marriage in her memoir, quote, woke him up. End quote. He realized, quote, she had lived a life more on the edge and that, quote, she is more resilient, clever and compassionate than he'd understood.
I could use the word embarrassment. But you know what the appropriate word is here? Uncomfortable. Because once again, Will Smith is missing the point that people who are being critical of Jada Pinkett Smith is trying to make. He's talking about how she feels. Most folks are talking about why we got to be the ones that know about it. That's all. Will knows what he's done and hasn't done. He knows what he's been as a husband and what he hasn't been. He knows what trials and tribulations he's put us through. The point is, everybody else ain't supposed to know. The point is, when you talk about honoring and respecting your significant other, what comes with that is the simple revelation or acknowledgement to keep your business private. That's all. See, when Will Smith gets into all of this other stuff, it reminds me again of what he did to Chris Rock. You want to apologize. You want to get in front of the camera. You want to tell the world about how you reached out to him. You Will Smith, dog. You Will Smith. You can't get in front of Chris Rock if you really needed to. You really can't get to him. You knew where he was going to be performing. You know what cities he was going to be in. You knew where to find him. You knew when and where. You're as connected as they come in Hollywood. You don't know how to get to Chris Rock face to face. You don't know how to talk to him man to man. You don't know how to look at him and apologize. You don't know how to look at the rest of the world and instead of pointing out how, yo, man, I made a mistake and blah, blah, blah. You don't know how to really dig deep in your soul. And just like you were brave enough to go up there and slap a man on national television, international television for the world to see, you can't man up and go like this. Damn. I really messed up, man. That's as low as I could possibly go. I'm ashamed of myself. Did we hear that? Did we hear that? And see, so when you say stuff like this, all that does is hawking people back to March 2022. When you did what you did, and supposedly she didn't know what you were going to do, and she didn't realize what you had done until you were walking back. But... You were still cool. You still sat there. Y'all still partied afterwards without a can of world. When Chris Rock could have had you arrested because the cops were waiting to put you in cuffs and he refused to do it. Because it was left up to Chris Rock. You do know that well. So all I'm saying is, damn, y'all. And now here we go. Forget Jada for a second, because Jada, I wish you nothing but happiness. If the book is that important to you, hell, I hope it's a bestseller. I know what it feels like. I'm a New York Times bestseller. Will Smith, it makes, if all that matters to you is make her happy, you know what? Find out who else she wouldn't mind you slapping. Slap them too. See where it gets you. Since that's how you feel, if that's how you feel that way. But here's the real deal. Here's where it gets deep. This is why I'm revisiting this subject. I've had people roll up on me and say to me, yo, 
Stephen A. You're not feeling her, man. She's doing this for the women. Let me say this. I want to emphasize that these are my comments and my comments alone, and it belongs to nobody else. If you're the transgender community, step aside. I'm not talking about you. If you are of the gay community, step aside. I'm not talking about you. But to every heterosexual woman out there that wants to keep a man, I would strongly advise you not to follow in her footsteps. I'm warning you. From what I'm told, and I haven't double checked these statistics, so don't hold me accountable for this. But women essentially outnumber men better than 15 to 1. That doesn't take into account the gay community, the transgender community, or the incarcerated community. You add all of those numbers up, the number's bigger. And with all the options, that men have. I think it's safe to say that we'll choose somebody who would prefer not to emasculate their man before we would choose a woman who would choose to do so. And emasculation comes in all shapes, forms, and sizes. You can be insulting. You can be volatile. You can be argumentative. You can be petty. You can be vicious. In Jada's case, you can be public. That is the issue. You cannot disrespect and emasculate your man and expect things to end well. And by the way, it ain't always by directly insulting him. It can also happen by simply publicizing whatever negative feelings you may have, whatever struggles you may encounter. This is not a question or not a discussion about the particulars of Jada Pinkett's relationship with Will Smith, nor of any woman with any man out there, only about your desire to publicize it. It's none of our business. That's it. That's all I'm saying. I don't want anybody to sit up there and look at me and think I'm judging Jada Pinkett Smith for what she feels or Will Smith for what he feels or other women and other men for what's going on in their relationship. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying what has happened to us? Are we so addicted to attention that we got to sit up there and spread our personal business about an ongoing relationship to the masses? I mean, if you're going to go that far, why don't you make a sex tape? You're sitting there every day. You want to tell us everything and show us everything else. Why don't you just get loose and get it over with? I mean, shit. What do you need? You ain't inviting people to your house in Calabasas, are you? Or wherever you live. You know the lines. You know when certain things are supposed to be private. 
Why are you acting like you don't know? That's all I'm saying. Nothing more. I watched people in their comments this weekend and everybody was going the route of, you know, like I'm trying to dissect. I'm doing the total opposite. I'm not trying to dissect and get into Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith's business. I'm not trying to get into anybody's relationship. I'm saying, why are you allowing us to be there? I have people in my life. You barely know who they are. People who work for me, people who are family members, et cetera. I have a woman. She knows. Anybody who's ever dated me knows. Anybody who's ever been in my life knows. You utter a syllable about my ass in public without my permission. Your ass is gone. I don't give a shit who you are. My life is my business. I'm that way with my family, my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, everybody. Don't get me started with people who work for me. Try me. Everything is not our business. Privacy matters. That's all I was trying to say, Jada. That's all I'm trying to say, Will, to all of y'all out there. I'm trying to say it to y'all because you see, at the end of the day, Will Smith got a few hundred million dollars. He's a superstar in Hollywood and she is his wife. And from what I read, there's no prenup. And by the way, we in L.A., California, that is this community property up out here, too. So guess what? She good. Most of you women out there don't have it like that. Don't go out there thinking that you can emasculate your man publicly and it's going to work for you to your benefit. I can assure you, you are wrong. For the vast majority of you, it won't work out for you at all. It will not end well. I can promise you that, especially if you run into somebody like me. We should mind our business and we should keep our business to ourselves. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. More to Stephen A. Smith Show. Closing it out with your questions in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves with YouTube coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. By the way, before I get to my text messages, or, or not text messages, but social media questions, um, one last thing I forgot to read that Will Smith said, which has had people wanting to throw up. Um, he said, according to an NBC News report, after reading Jada's upcoming memoir, he gave her a standing ovation and said, quote, I applaud and honor you. He wrote in a letter to Jay Shetty, who relayed the message to Pinkett Smith on an upcoming episode of his podcast on purpose. If I had read this book 30 years ago, I definitely would have hugged you more. I'll start now. Welcome to the Authors Club. I love you endlessly. Now go get some Merlot and take a rest. It's his business. I mean, people can have whatever comments they want. I respect the hell out of Will Smith. And I respect Jada. I just want them to respect each other enough 
to keep their business private. We don't need to know all that. That's all I'm saying. Um, questions before I get on to here. Nicola, N-I-C-H-O-L-A, 7842-8899. Damn, you don't want anybody to memorize your Twitter handle. Jesus Christ. Anyway, what would you do for a Knicks title? I'd shave my head bald. How about that? I've been holding on to it. That George Jefferson look, I've been holding on to it for their life, but I might, I might let it go if they want a title. Next up, dating advice for a college guy. Okay, here's the advice. First of all, prioritize your success. I don't give a damn what she tells you. No woman wants a loser. They can try all they want to. No woman wants a loser. And by loser, I don't mean somebody that doesn't have a lot of money or anything like that. I'm talking about somebody devoid of ambition, devoid of vision. The combination or the lack thereof of both puts you in a position of having low expectations, at least in the eyes of others. And as a result of that, no woman will want to stay with you. They might kick it with you for a little bit, but they ain't going to stay with you. Trust me, they ain't going to stay with you. Prioritize doing the best that you can and being an asset to her, not a liability. Okay? And learn about what it takes to please her and then do it. Because if you don't know how to please her, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell at all. Try to look as best as you possibly can. Be in decent shape. Make sure you handling it, you holding it down in private times. You know what I'm saying? Because she does have needs and expectations. And I can assure you, the last thing you want to hear from her when somebody asks her about you is, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice personality. That usually doesn't cut it. If she's saying that, that usually doesn't cut it. Let's go to the next one right here. Um, at Zuddy, Z-U-D-E-E-E-E. How much pressure is on Kevin Durant this season? A whole lot. You got Bradley Beal and Devin Booker as teammates. You should be competing for a championship. You might not win it, but damn it, a Western Conference Finals berth shouldn't be too much to ask. And by the way, you should be winning the championship if you're that dude within the next couple of years with those two players. And Frank Vogel can coach, by the way. Let's go to Jacob. J J-A-C-O-B-E-E-F-R-O. With this style of play, does Wimbiana, as Victor Wimbiana, really need to put on more weight? KD has stayed slim his whole career and is one of the, not the greatest scorer of this generation. True, and I get your point. The flip side is KD has gone through a plethora of injuries, too. That has derailed his career. The more bulk you put on your body, the more physicality you can withstand. And as a result, you can stay healthier longer and that puts you in the best, in the best position to succeed. You got to look at it from that perspective. Uh, internet sports commentator, Casanova QI489 writes, is Brock Purdy really that guy without his weapons? No, he's not. No, he's not. I don't believe so, but he's pretty damn good and I got a lot of respect for him. I got to get on out of here, y'all, because I'm getting ready to go to Monday Night Football, to Cowboys Nation. I'm coming. You've been nervous, ain't you? You've been nervous, ain't you? You wonder whether I'm going to have that cowboy hat on. You wonder whether or not that dude Southern Steve is going to show up, ain't you? Ain't you? You're pretty nervous, ain't you? Tell you, you're pretty nervous. I don't blame you one bit. It's all love. It's all in fun. But you know I can't stand your nauseating asses, right? I mean that affectionately. I don't, I'm not even against the Cowboys. It's against you fans that act like you're going to win the Super Bowl every damn week, even when you lose. San Francisco and Philadelphia lost yesterday. You win, you in the mix. You lose, you out. So if they follow up losing with you losing to the char to the Los Angeles Chargers and that woeful defense, it says a lot about you, Cowboys. 
Now, Keller Moore's their offensive coordinator. You know he's scoring for, they scoring five more uh, points a game with him as their offensive coordinator than they did last year. Y'all without him, y'all scoring five less points per game. You're horrible in the red zone without him, by the way. You know I know all of this. You know I know all of this, right? So we're going to see what's going to happen on Monday Night Football. I'll see you at SoFi Stadium. You hear this has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.